Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. Well, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Hey, who's excited for church this morning? Awesome. Well, hello. If I haven't had the pleasure to meet you yet, my name is Michael. I have the honor and the privilege privilege of calling myself um, the lead pastor of this amazing church. We are uh, three weeks in, and we are kicking, and we are going strong. Um, if you are new here today, we want to say welcome to you. Um, we, we're so glad that you chose to join us this morning for church. Come on, church. Can we give anybody new here a big old uh, Summit View welcome? Come on, y'all, y'all can do better than that. It's their first time. Come on. Good, good, good. Okay, now turn to five people around you and just tell them how glad you are that they're they here today. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, just like, uh, just like Lindsay said in the video, make sure to take some time. Um, if, if you're new here, fill out that connection card. Guys, if, you, uh, if you've been here before, you don't have to fill it out again. But if you're new here, we welcome you to fill that out. Um, it's going to give us information that you are here today, but also, more importantly, that we can follow up with you, that we can learn how we can better serve you. Because uh, what is a church if we're not serving people? And uh, also, go ahead and uh, pull your phones out this morning and go ahead and on Facebook check in to uh, Summit View Church. It's very awesome for us to, uh, to help us get the word out there that this church is here for Estill County. We love people and we want more people to come in and hear the greatest message that you could possibly ever hear. Amen. You guys with me this morning? All right. So, this morning, uh, we are in part three. Everybody say part three. We are in part three three of our series Lost and Found, and we are learning about the priority that God places on people that are far from him, that God gives um, the majority of his attention to the people that are lost rather than the people that are found. Um, our, our, our series verse comes out of Luke chapter 15 and verse 32, um, if you guys are there. Now remember uh, this story, I'm going to tell it every single week, but this story, what happens is this is a parable, okay? A parable is just something that, um, it's a story that Jesus tells. It's an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning behind it. Um, And so all of these stories that Jesus is telling aren't necessarily uh, events that happened in life, but they're rather um, just like I will tell a story up here to kind of illustrate a point. This is exactly what Jesus was doing. And he told a story this one time about um, this son who who went to his father and he said, I want my inheritance early before you die because I want to be able to spend it. And so he took his inheritance, the father gave it to him, and he ran off to the big city. And he, it, the Bible says that he, he, had, uh, he, he was uh, loose living, okay? He was living real loosely. And he woke up one morning, after he'd spent all his money, um, he'd woke up one morning in a pig pen. And he came to his senses, and then he said to himself, I would just love to go back home and my father take me in as a servant, as a slave, And so he went home hoping that his father would take him in as a slave, as a servant. And what actually happened is the father received him just as a son. And he was so excited, he ran down, which by the way, when the father runs, we'll talk about that next week, but when the father runs down, he was humiliating himself because it was embarrassing for for anyone to run in those days. And he ran down to meet his son. 
and uh, he brought him back and he said, hey, I'm celebrating you today. The older son was, was pretty upset about this. He's like, hey, I've been here this whole time and you've never celebrated me like this. And the father looks at the older son and he says this, and this is our, our verse today. This is where everything comes from in this series. He said, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. This morning, um, I encourage you guys to take notes. If you guys walked in, you should have been given a packet of little things uh, held together by um, a pen. You have a connection card. You should have a prayer card, and you should have message notes in there as well. The title of today's message is, May I Be Excused? May I Be Excused? Let's flip over to Luke chapter 14, starting in verses 16 and going through verse 23. We're going to read just a little bit here today, but I have to read it in order to get the point across, okay? So if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. Uh, You can look on the screens as we read, or it's on your message notes if you can see them, okay. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited... Come, for all things are now ready. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask that you have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask that you have me excused. Still another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these uh, things to his master. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it's done as you, uh, as you commanded, and still there is room. And then the master said to the servant, Go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Okay, so who in here, um, who in here just loves to, to host parties? Let me see you. If you love to host parties, okay, we've got three. Cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, well, uh, let me pray, and then we'll be released for the day. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, some, you know, uh, anybody here just love to cook? Anybody love to cook here? Um, those same three people? Okay, cool. You love to cook and love to host parties. Uh, I have some great friends who are just amazing at throwing parties, like, uh, they're just incredible. I just can't, I don't know. I walk in and I'm like, man, y'all did good. I, I could not imagine doing something like that. Um, and my wife, she, if you've been to one of the parties that she's thrown, uh, she's incredible. She is, uh, so we're what we like to call extra. And so anything that we do, we're just going to do it over the top. It doesn't matter what it is. We're going to be extra about it. Um, and so my wife, uh, she takes that to her advantage, and I get to reap the benefits. So on my 30th birthday party, she, crew me, she threw me this um, incredible party. And if you guys don't know me, I'm a, I'm a huge nerd, okay? Uh, get used to it. I'm a huge nerd. I love comic books. I love Marvel. I'm not a big DC guy, but I, I, I read them anyway. I'll you know watch the movies. But I love every single Marvel movie ever, ever made. And so... My wife, for my 30th birthday, uh, she threw me a superhero-themed surprise party. Um, can, can we throw that picture up on the screen? So this was my 30th birthday party, um, and all of my friends embarrassed themselves by dressing up in their costumes and coming to my party. We had the greatest, greatest time. And uh, it was the, the party was incredible. It was like the most fun I'd ever had at a party. And so, uh, and so many of my friends and family, they were able to make it. 
But let me give you a little backstory behind this picture, okay? You guys be ready to laugh this morning because this is a, it's a good story. Okay, so that morning, my friend John, okay, he came, he came to my house and he, uh, his, he was tasked by my wife um, to, to take me out for the day so that I wasn't, you know, home while she was preparing all this stuff. And so he, took, he picked me up and we went hiking. I think it was somewhere around uh, Natural Bridge. It wasn't at Natural Bridge, but it was somewhere around there. Um, and so we went hiking, and uh, we, you know, we spent a few hours doing that. And uh, you can't, you can't take Chunky on too long of a trail. You know what I mean? I won't make it to the birthday party. Um, but we, uh, we went hiking for a little bit, a little uh, while, and then afterward, we were gonna go to Miguel's, but there was like so many people there. We went to this awesome barbecue place that had just opened up. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, that's the one, Thatcher's Barbecue. It was amazing. If you're listening, uh, sponsor some of you church because we love your barbecue. Um, no, I'm just kidding, but really. Uh, we ate barbecue after the hike, and it was great. It was amazing. Um, and then John brought me back home. Well, when I got home, there was a sticky note on the door, because we're extra, right? There's a sticky note on the door, and it said, uh, go into the spare bathroom. I said, all right. Um, y'all know what I'm, all right, cool. And so uh, I go into the spare bathroom, and there's another sticky note in there, but I look up and I see on the shower there's hanging um, this Captain America costume with the mask and, the, and then there, I look over and there's this nice like movie quality shield and this movie quality mask and I have a sticky note that says um, put on this Captain America costume, unlock the door, open it up, then put a blindfold on and sit on the couch. And I said, alright, listen, y'all know that might end up being a good birthday, you know what I mean? Welcome to some of you. Um, so, uh, hey, if your kids are out here, we have a wonderful kids program uh, right behind you that you're welcome to take them to. <laughs> but so I, I put my costume on, right? I put this, I opened the door, I unlocked it, opened it up, put this blindfold on. I sat on the couch um, and I waited and I waited and I waited. Well, it turns out that John brought me home just a little bit early because he had run out of ideas of what to do. And so by the time that John gets back and picks me up, I had been sitting on that couch blindfolded for almost two hours. <laughs> I had fallen asleep three times. Can you guys imagine what would have happened if someone walked up to my front door and they look inside and there's this grown man sitting there with a Captain America costume on, blindfolded, just lounged back in the couch. Someone would have thought, what the heck? They probably would have called the police. I don't know. What is wrong with this guy? But when I was sitting there, um, I couldn't help but wonder if anyone was ever going to come. Or was anybody ever going to show up? Could you, could you imagine what would have happened if Cassie planned this big party and then the guest of honor never showed up? He probably would have still had fun. Um, but, but what about you? Have you guys ever planned a party and nobody showed up to it? Um, you'd be left with all, these, all the food, all the drinks, all the fun things, and nobody to share them with. And this, that, that's what's happening in this parable that we, that we just read about. Um, the master of the house invited a bunch of people. Um, from the context of the story, you can figure out that it sounds like he, in, he gave them plenty of notice in advance. He, he had invited them before he had really invited them. And it, when it comes to the day of the party, every person had an excuse as to why they couldn't attend the party. So he told his servant, you know what? Go out and gather anybody you can find. Because he wants his house to be full. 
So last week we looked at God's mission. We looked how important it is and how all of us have a specific role to play in it. So a big takeaway from last week that God has a mission because God loves people. And because God loves people, his heart is to reach them. That's what it's all about. So if that's true, if God loves people and his heart is for them, it begs the question, if we're God's children, if his heart is to reach people, does that same heart reside in us? Are we sharing the love and truth of Jesus with other people? Are we pursuing other people? Are we having conversations with people, helping them to see their need for a Savior? Are we passionate to see people come to know Christ? Or are we simply content with our own relationship with God, our personal relationship with God, while ignoring the needs of the people around us? So what what keeps us from sharing um, the love of Jesus with others, right? So the truth is that um, the devil, the enemy of your soul, the devil, is very passionate to ensure that we don't share our faith, that we don't lead people to Jesus. He is 24-7 making sure that you don't do that. That's his goal. That's his, uh, his purpose in life. He'll throw anything and everything that he can at you, and he can use it against us to keep us from doing so. One of his main tools that he uses is excuses excuses and in this parable that we just read Jesus was speaking to a group of Pharisees they were the religious high and mighty of the day they were the religious elite right and and we see earlier if you flip back to chapter 14 we see earlier that Jesus um, what what kind of set this parable up is that Jesus liked to tell stories about uh, places that he was in the moment that kind of would relate to it. And so earlier in chapter 14, he's actually um, a guest, a dinner guest of one of the Pharisees. And so over dinner, one of the guests expresses a view that was held by uh, many Jews of the day that only Jews would be invited to this great feast that God would throw. And that's going to take place when Christ, the their word, the Messiah, which means the anointed one, it's kind of like what a a king would be anointed as king, right? And when the Messiah comes, their, their view was that only the Jews would be accepted and welcomed into God's feast. Well, the Pharisees, um, let's relate it this way. They could care less about expanding God's kingdom. They could care less about embracing anybody that's different from themselves. They were religious and irrelevant to the world around them, and they were just completely comfortable with that. They held to this statement that um, sometimes my wife and I like to say, and we laugh about it, that they, they would say, me, my four, and no more. They're completely content with their circle, and they don't want to expand it. Um, they're, they're comfortable never allowing anybody else in except for the ones that were already in. And so God's gracious inv- invitation is, um, is sent uh, prior to this encounter that we read about. Right? He'd already invited many people to come, but at the moment, at supper time, he's saying, let's get this party started. And then all of the individuals who'd already been invited, um, they, they didn't show up. See, the first invitation, it only requires the people to acknowledge it. Like an RSVP, right? A, a save the date. It only required people to acknowledge it. But the second invitation on the day of the party, it required something from people. It required commitment and it required action. In verses 18 through 20, though, all that we see is their excuses and their rejection. Some of them said, I bought some land. I just bought some cattle. I need to test them out. One guy said, I just got married. 
That's understandable. Um, but excuses, excuses. You know, just imagine this, okay? Just imagine you've planned this amazing banquet. You've, you've spent months planning it out. You prepared the food. You've set the tables. You got everything prepared. And then everyone on the guest list, every single person bails at the last minute with really lame excuses. Maybe some of us have those today. I, well, I, got, I can't go on Sunday. I've, it's the only time I can work in my yard. Um, I'm too busy with work. Or I have family obligations. It's football season. <laughs> Where are my football fans? It's football season. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe this one will hit you. It's travel ball. I can't go on Sunday because I'm at travel ball. 19th century preacher named D.L. Moody said this, Excuses are the cradle that Satan rocks men off to sleep in. Any one of us can find an excuse if we really want to find one. The excuse may even seem plausible on the surface. So I'm an extrovert, right? If you guys don't know me, you will know me soon. Okay, I'm an extrovert um, and, and a pastor, and I still, I still face fears and make excuses at times when it comes to reaching out to others in my daily life. I still make those excuses. You can ask my wife. She gets on to me all the time. I'm tired, I'm busy, <laughs> one excuse, I'm a pastor. That's really, that doesn't make any sense, right? I work a full-time job. They don't really need me to reach out. That's one that really we can buy into, right? They don't really need me. They, they've got plenty of people. They don't need me to reach out. It could be awkward. The longer you're saved, the more that you need to be intentional about reaching out to the people that are outside of your circle. Because the longer that you're saved, you, you begin to develop this fear, especially for me as, we're, as I'm in ministry, you, I start developing this fear of only the people that I interact with are also pastors or in ministry. Or, and it takes me having to get out of my comfort zone and to reach out to somebody that's outside of my um, sphere of influence in order to reach someone for Jesus. Your circle quickly becomes a circle of Christians. And you have to just intentionally reach out to those that are far from God. Guys, you should have relationships with people that are not Christians. Okay? Let me say that again, because this is the church that we are. You should have relationships with people that are not Christians. And you should enjoy them. And you should love them. And be completely fine with it. See, the Pharisees didn't want to have a relationship with anybody that, were, that was different from them. And that was their fault. And for us, we can't let ourselves slip in to that. So seeing that the original guests are declining, right, in this story, the master issue, issues a new command. In verses 21 and 22, it says this, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city. Bring them in, the poor and the maim and the lame and the blind. Who wants those people at their party? That's a downer, right? That's a real party foul. But... This is who the master invited. And the servant said, Master, it's done as you commanded, and there's still room. And look at the heart of the master here. This master is a picture of God, and this is a, his heart for people. Again and again and again, he, exclaim, he exclaims, Go out, go into the streets, and don't go after the people that just look like you. Think about it, guys. We have to reach out to our community. If we don't, who will? If we don't reach them, who's going to reach them? And we don't need to go to cleaned up people. We need to go to the 
lame and the beggar and the blind and the maimed. Those are the people that we're called to reach. It's, it's as simple as this. Christianity and evangelism, a big word that means uh, just to reach out and share the good news. Um, that, that All it is is just one beggar telling another beggar where they can go and find food. I'm not high and mighty and, and I'm nothing special, but I have this call on my life and so do you to just tell other people where they can find this hope that we have. So um, we as Christians, are, are, we're just simply guests at the master's table. And we get the privilege of inviting other people to enjoy this banquet with us. So we as the church, we have a call, right? We have a call to go to the lost, the hurting, and the broken. Jesus commands us in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Read, read this with me. Um, and he said to them, go into all the world. Where? All the, go, into, go, into, uh, go into your neighborhood. Go into your circle of friends. No, what does he say? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I don't think that means like dogs and cats or anything like that. But just every living person. So I, I've heard this excuse before, right? Like people will say, well, I'm not, I can't reach them. I'm not, a, I'm not a pastor. I'm not in ministry. That's the pastor's job. That's the, that's the minister's job. Um, here's another one that I think this is the largest reason that people don't uh, that people have for not sharing the gospel. This is the largest reason, right? And you guys can maybe identify this. You just don't know what to say. Like if I'm going to start talking about this, I want to know what I'm talking about. I don't have any idea what to say, and so I'm just going to cut it off and not do it because I'm not educated in that. So let me give you a pointer here, okay? All you got to do is share your story. You don't, know, you don't have to know the Bible to do it. You don't have to have a degree in religion to do it. All you have to do is tell people, this is who I was. These are the things I was struggling with. This is how Jesus found me, and this is who I am today. It's that simple. And everybody, you know your story better than anybody else. Those were the... when I. Um, when I was taking classes in seminary, those were the easiest papers that I had to write were the stories about my conversion experience. And it's the easiest way to lead someone to Jesus because you can, you can argue with what we call my doctrine. You can argue with what I believe about the Bible. You cannot argue with my changed life. If you knew me before and you know me now, you can't argue with the radical transformation that God has made in my life. And it's the same with all of you. So did you guys know, though, that every single believer is given the ministry of reaching out to others? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, now, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. That means to, to bring uh, the account to zero. It means to join up. He's reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling is an accounting term meaning to bring the difference to zero. It, we, we've been given the, the ministry, we've been given the call to reach people and make the space between them and Jesus non-existent. Second Peter chapter 3 says this, The Lord is, and it goes on to say a little bit, but um, the, the, the point here is the Lord is not willing. I need you guys to hear this. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What does that mean? God doesn't want to send people to hell. 
I believe the reason that Jesus hasn't returned yet is because he's waiting, because he's patient, and he's probably holding them back because there's still people that don't have a relationship with him. He doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to come to repentance. That means just to change your way, to, to recognize that he's God. The love of God is great. He's preparing a banquet for each of us, and he does not like empty seats. We can see that in the parable. God doesn't like empty seats. Neither should we as the church. Guys, we're trying to fill heaven. We talked about it last week. The reason that we want these chairs full is not because I have a big ego trip that I have to... Uh, for some reason get validated through the amount of people that come into the church. No, the reason that we're trying to have a growing church is because heaven and hell are real. And eight out of ten people in Estill County are not connected with a local church. If God hates empty seats at his banquet, we should hate empty seats in this room. should hate it. We're trying to fill heaven. Guys, we want to make it hard to go to hell in Estill County. We want to make it as hard as we can make it. So you might be asking, well, how big of a church do we need? You know, I'm, I'm comfortable here. I, I got the pastor's uh, personal cell phone number. I call him up all the time. I text him. He never texts me back, but I keep on doing No, I'm just kidding. That's none of y'all. <laughs> but how big of a church should we become? That's a really good question. I'm glad you asked. We need to grow until everybody that's within driving distance has either rejected the gospel or they've come to faith in Christ. So as long as one person doesn't know Christ, we need to continue to grow. Guys, and we don't even have to grow this church. This church is not for everybody. I would just want them to go to some church. If they, guys, if you don't like it here, let's have a conversation because I promise you, I can tell you five incredible churches here in Estill County that would love to have you. We, I mean, we want you here, right? But if, you, if it's not for you, guys, I'm friends with so many pastors in the community that we can find you one. I just want you to go somewhere. I want you to get connected with somebody that's going to bring you closer to Jesus. Luke chapter 14, verse 23. And then the master said to the servant, go into the highways and the hedges. And this is a strong word, compel. Compel them to come in. Compel is not a passive word. It's an action word. It requires you to do something. The language is strong because God's love is strong. God is extremely passionate for everyone in this world to come to know him. So, number one, uh, our lives should be compelling. You can write that down. Our lives should be compelling. There should be something about the way that you live that people see you and, and it makes them want what you have. It makes them want the life that you're living they can see something missing. And they say, hey, you, you, guys ever, you guys ever been to the club before and said, I want what they're having? None of y'all been to the club, have you? None of y'all been to the bar before? Yeah, y'all perfect. are perfect. Not me. I want what they're having. People should look at your life as you're living as a Christian and say, hey, I want, I want something like that. The Bible says that we should have an answer for the hope that we have. That means that our lives are going to bring people to us and they're going to ask the question, what's different about you? Our lives should be compelling. Our love should be compelling. The way that we love people should be different than the way the world loves people. See, the world rejects people and cancels people that they don't agree with. 
Guys, how many of maybe your favorite celebrities have been canceled in the past three years? Our love needs to be different than that. Guys, we can't cancel the people that we're not in agreement with. In fact, Jesus says that we need to love them harder. He said that it's easy to love the people that are just like you. Try something difficult. Try loving the people that are actively against you. What about the people that you come in on Sunday and you look and you see Joe Schmo over there and say, you know what? He was just at the steam engine last night and he was hammered. <laughs> we want them here. We want the people that you know are not hacked. I mean, everybody needs somewhere that they can belong. And some of you need is, is a church where everyone can belong. We do not say that and we don't take that lightly. I have caught fire already for some of the people that we allow in here, and I'll do it every single day. I will go down fighting. Till I breathe my last breath, I will stand up for the people that you don't think should be in this room. And it will be real quick that you, you find yourself not wanting to be here. <laughs> Maybe you get told not to be here. Because we want to reach people that other people aren't reaching. And we're going to do things that nobody else is doing. And we're going to let people in this room that no other church is going to let in this room. Because our love is different. We have a family value here that we, have a, we want to be a church of unconditional love. That's very important to us. And then uh, next, our, our community should be compelling. Guys, the, the times that we hang out together and watch the football game, that should cause people to want to join in. The, when we go uh, for my, my, one of my best friends, Josh's 30th birthday, we went axe throwing for his 30th birthday, and we had an amazing time. Guys, our community should be compelling that people want to join in because we're having a lot of fun. They want to see how we, how do y'all have, have such close relationships? It's opening the door. Our, our lives, our love, and our community should be compelling. So before we close today, okay, I want to give you a, just a very powerful, very practical, and simple means to reach people in your life, okay? So if, if, the, if the main excuse of not reaching people is, I don't know what to do, we're going to cover it. And so you, don't have to, we, you won't have to use that excuse anymore. Anybody can do this. Number one, pray. <laughs> it seems funny and it's authority. That means that um, to start everything. There's this principle of priority that means that, um, that the things that you do first are the most important. And so first, we're going to pray. We're going to let um, pray for your office, pray for your neighborhood, pray for your school, pray for your team. Ask God who he wants to lead you to. He'll tell you. But only ask him if you're ready to do it, because <laughs> he'll tell you. And as you pray, just prepare your, like, silence everything. Put your phone on, do not disturb um, it's hard to hear the voice of God when you're constantly listening for the next text, text message. Set your soul to focus on that person that the Holy Spirit is going to direct you to. And it won't be an audible voice, okay? For most of you, 90, 99% of you will never hear the audible voice of God. But you'll know it in your knower. Like, it'll just be this, this feeling of, oh, maybe I need to talk to them. Do it. What can go wrong? What is the worst that can happen? You talk to them and have a great conversation? Do it. Try it. But what if they reject me? But what if they don't? Number one, pray. Number two, listen to them. 
That's hard to do in today's age. Everybody, everybody has an opinion. Everybody wants to express themselves. There is a, there is a, a key fundamental of communication that we have to learn and that's the listening part you got to listen to people don't talk don't overpower their conversation listen to them listen to their passions listen to their life listen to their pain what's hurting them (laughs) again guys put your phones away and and ask some questions go have dinner with them go have a lunch go have coffee sit down with them guys and don't put your phone on the table Put your phone away and be engaged in the conversation. Listen to people. Okay, so I've, I've got a, um, uh, that reminds me of a funny story that I heard, okay, one time. I don't know if this really happened. I, hope, I really hope it didn't. Okay, but a, a pastor was walking down this country lane, and he sees a young farmer struggling to load hay back into a cart after it, it had fallen off. And the pastor said, you look hot, son. Why don't you rest a moment, and I'll give you a hand. And uh, uh, the young man said, no, thanks. My father wouldn't really like that. And the pastor said, hey, don't be silly. Everyone is entitled to a break. Come and have a drink of water. Again, the young man protested that his father would be upset. And losing his patience, the pastor said, your father must be a real piece of work. Tell me where I can find him, and I'll give him a piece of my mind. And the son said, well, he's under that load of hay. (laughs) you got to listen to people. Don't overpower their conversation. Listen for the sake of hearing them. Number three, spend time with them. Spend time. And and here's the thing. You can't just check this part off the list. You can't build relationships in a day. And guys, I'll tell you, the most effective means of evangelism is not door-to-door knocking. The most effective means of evangelism is me taking you out to coffee and let's be friends. That's the way. That's the way. We don't need a door-to-door knock. That might work in some cases. But guys, the most effective means is to build relationships with people. Make that investment. Number four, serve them. Serve them. If you listen to people and you eat with them, here's what's going to inevitably happen. They're going to tell you how to love them. They're going to let you know how you can serve them. But they may not just say that straight out. You've just got to listen for it. You've got to go into the conversation actively looking for ways that you can hear to serve other people. You've got to focus on, I'm going into this conversation to figure out how I can bless them. How I can serve them well. You have to listen intentionally with the purpose of finding ways to serve people. And then finally, number five, share your story. We talked about it. Share your story. It's the easiest thing in the world for you to communicate. I feel like like people that write autobiographies probably have the easiest job in the world because I can sit here and talk about myself all day. But share your story. Now, it's got to be when the time's right. You can't just... Hey, nice to meet you. Hey, let me tell you. Doesn't usually work like that. You probably scare some people off. But when the time is right, when we've, when we've grown in this relationship and we get to talk, now share the story of how Jesus changed your life and let them know that he wants to do the same for them. Then the stage is set to, maybe you invite them to church. 
Maybe you invite them to meet more of your friends. Maybe you invite them just to hang out and watch the football game with you. Whatever it may be, use it as an opportunity to, to, to grow your, their relationship with some other Christians that you know that would be helpful in their lives or whatever that might be. But share your story. Because our purpose in this life is to make a, a difference in the lives of other people. That's our number one purpose. You guys will, you guys will hear me say, say it until I'm blue in the face. Our life's purpose is to make a difference in the lives of other people. And the best way that we can do that is to make a difference in their eternity by sharing our story and sharing how Jesus can change their life. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.